God never breaks a promise. Hello there, this is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and I'm coming to you from Riverside, California, in podcasting since 2004. I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. Sharing is caring. Share the show on your Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even LinkedIn, and a social, any Mastodon instance. Let people know about the show. I do need your help because I've got to admit, I'm not very good at getting out there on the socials to promote the show. I'm so busy studying for the next show, once I hit the publish on the latest show, I just don't get it done. So if you could do that for me on your social media accounts, I would be oh so grateful. If you've got a prayer request or praise that you'd like to share with the LifeSpring family, you can do that at prayer.lifespringmedia.com and be sure to sign up for the newsletter at news.lifespringmedia.com. I sent some pictures today to Kirsty, who does the newsletter for us, from the Thanksgiving dinner I had with uh, family and friends. So you'll be able to see what my Thanksgiving looked like. Sign up for the newsletter at news.lifespringmedia.com. Today we're going to read 1 Samuel 11-15 through 15, and I'm calling the episode, The Decision Has Been Made. Let's get to it. 1 Samuel chapter 11 Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve you. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition I will make a covenant with you, that I may put out all your right eyes and bring reproach on all Israel. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, Hold off for seven days, that we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel. And then, if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. So the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the news in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Now there was Saul, coming behind the herd from the field. And Saul said, What troubles the people that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces, and sent them throughout the territory of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. When he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were three hundred thousand, and the men of Judah thirty thousand. And they said to the messengers who came, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. Then the messengers came and reported it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you may do with us whatever seems good to you. So it was, on the next day, that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and killed Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is he who said, Shall Saul rule over us? Bring the men, that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. 
1 Samuel chapter 12 Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you said to me, and have made a king over you. Now here is your king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed, or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, You have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. They answered, He is witness. Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron, and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now therefore, stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt, and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt, and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, and said, We have sinned, because we have forsaken the Lord, and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies, and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jeroboam, Bedan, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen, and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice, and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear, you have done all this wickedness. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord, and serve him in truth with your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, 
both you and your king. 1 Samuel chapter 13 Saul was thirty years old when he became king, and he reigned for forty-two years. Saul selected three thousand special troops from the army of Israel and sent the rest of the men home. He took two thousand of the chosen men with him to Michmash in the hill country of Bethel. The other thousand went with Saul's son Jonathan to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. Soon after this, Jonathan attacked and defeated the garrison of Philistines at Geba. The news spread quickly among the Philistines. So Saul blew the ram's horn throughout the land, saying, Hebrews, hear this, rise up in revolt. All Israel heard the news that Saul had destroyed the Philistine garrison at Geba and that the Philistines now hated the Israelites more than ever. So the entire Israelite army was summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. They camped at Michmash east of Beth-Avon. The men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in, and because they were hard-pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves, thickets, rocks, holes, and cisterns. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped into the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, Bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him, but Samuel said, What is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would, and the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people, because you have not kept the Lord's command. Samuel then left Gilgal and went on his way, but the rest of the troops went with Saul to meet the army. They went up from Gilgal to Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. When Saul counted the men who were still with him, he found only six hundred were left. Saul and Jonathan and the troops with them were staying at Geba in the land of Benjamin. The Philistines set up their camp at Michmash. Three raiding parties soon left the camp of the Philistines. One went north toward Ophrah in the land of Shul, another went west to Beth-horon, and the third moved toward the border above the valley of Zeboim near the wilderness. There were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So whenever the Israelites needed to sharpen their plowshares, picks, axes, or sickles, they had to take them to a Philistine blacksmith. The charges were as follows. A quarter of an ounce of silver for sharpening a plowshare or a pick, 
and an eighth of an ounce for sharpening an axe or making the point of an ox goad. So on the day of the battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or spear, except for Saul and Jonathan. The pass at Michmash had meanwhile been secured by a contingent of the Philistine army. 1 Samuel chapter 14 One day Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his six hundred men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah, around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest, who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother Ahitab, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord who had served at Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sina. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Geba. Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor-bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the armor-bearer replied. I am with you completely, whatever you decide. All right, then, Jonathan told him. We will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, Come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some twenty men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties. And just then an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. Saul's lookouts in Gibeah of Benjamin saw a strange sight. The vast army of Philistines began to melt away in every direction. Call the roll and find out who's missing, Saul ordered. And when they checked, they found that Jonathan and his armor-bearer were gone. Then Saul shouted to Ahijah, Bring the ephod here, for at that time Ahijah was wearing the ephod in front of the Israelites. But while Saul was talking to the priest, the confusion in the Philistine camp grew louder and louder. So Saul said to the priest, Never mind, let's get going. Then Saul and all his men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. There was terrible confusion everywhere. Even the Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistine army revolted and joined in with Saul, Jonathan, and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued to rage even beyond beth Aven. Now the men of Israel were pressed to exhaustion that day, because Saul had placed them under an oath, saying, Let a curse fall on anyone who eats before evening, 
before I have full revenge on my enemies. So no one ate anything all day, even though they had all found honeycomb on the ground in the forest. They didn't dare touch the honey because they all feared the oath they had taken. But Jonathan had not heard his father's command, and he dipped the end of his stick into a piece of honeycomb and ate the honey. After he had eaten it, he felt refreshed. But one of the men saw him and said, Your father made the army take a strict oath that anyone who eats food today will be cursed. That is why everyone is weary and faint. My father has made trouble for us all, Jonathan exclaimed. A command like that only hurts us. See how refreshed I am now that I have eaten this little bit of honey. If the men had been allowed to eat freely from the food they found among our enemies, think how many more Philistines we could have killed. They chased and killed the Philistines all day from Michmash to Aijalon, growing more and more faint. That evening they rushed for the battle plunder and butchered the sheep, goats, cattle, and calves, but they ate them without draining the blood. Someone reported to Saul, Look, the men are sinning against the Lord by eating meat that still has blood in it. That is very wrong, Saul said. Find a large stone and roll it over here. Then go out among the troops and tell them, Bring the cattle, sheep, and goats here to me. Kill them here and drain the blood before you eat them. Do not sin against the Lord by eating meat with the blood still in it. So that night all the troops brought their animals and slaughtered them there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first of the altars he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let's chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise. Let's destroy every last one of them. His men replied, We'll do whatever you think is best. But the priest said, Let's ask God first. So Saul asked God, Should we go after the Philistines? Will you help us defeat them? But God made no reply that day. Then Saul said to the leaders, Something's wrong. I want all my army commanders to come here. We must find out what sin was committed today. I vow by the name of the Lord who rescued Israel that the sinner will surely die, even if it is my own son Jonathan. But no one would tell him what the trouble was. Then Saul said, Jonathan and I will stand over here, and all of you stand over there. And the people responded to Saul, Whatever you think is best. Then Saul prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, please show us who is guilty and who is innocent. Then they cast sacred lots, and Jonathan and Saul were chosen as the guilty ones, and the people were declared innocent. Then Saul said, Now cast lots again and choose between me and Jonathan. And Jonathan was shown to be the guilty one. Tell me what you have done, Saul demanded of Jonathan. I tasted a little honey, Jonathan admitted. It was only a little bit on the end of my stick. Does that deserve death? Yes, Jonathan, Saul said. You must die. May God strike me and even kill me if you do not die for this. But the people broke in and said to Saul, Jonathan has won this great victory for Israel. Should he die? Far from it. As surely as the Lord lives, not one hair on his head will be touched, for God helped him do a great deed today. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he was not put to death. Then Saul called back the army from chasing the Philistines and the Philistines returned home. Now when Saul had secured his grasp on Israel's throne, 
He fought against his enemies in every direction, against Moab, Ammon, Edom, the kings of Zobah, and the Philistines. And wherever he turned, he was victorious. He performed great deeds and conquered the Amalekites, saving Israel from all those who had plundered them. Saul's sons included Jonathan, Ishbosheth, and Melchishua. He also had two daughters, Merab, who was older, and Michael. Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. The commander of Saul's army was Abner, the son of Saul's uncle Ner. Saul's father, Kish, and Abner's father, Ner, were both sons of Abiel. The Israelites fought constantly with the Philistines throughout Saul's lifetime. So, whenever Saul observed a young man who was brave and strong, he drafted him into his army. 1 Samuel chapter 15 Then Samuel said to Saul, I was the one the Lord sent to anoint you as king over his people Israel. Now listen to what the Lord says. Here is what the Lord of hosts says. I carefully observed how the Amalekites opposed Israel along the way when Israel came up from Egypt. So go now and strike down the Amalekites. Destroy everything that they have. Don't spare them. Put them to death. Man, woman, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey alike. So Saul assembled the army and mustered them at Telaim. There were 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. Saul proceeded to the city of Amalek where he set an ambush in the wadi. Saul said to the Kenites, Go on and leave. Go down from among the Amalekites. Otherwise I will sweep you away with them. After all, you were kind to all the Israelites when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites withdrew from among the Amalekites. Then Saul struck down the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, which is next to Egypt. He captured King Agag of the Amalekites alive, but he executed all Agag's people with the sword. However, Saul and the army spared Agag, along with the best of the flock, the cattle, the fatlings, and the lambs, as well as everything else that was of value. They were not willing to slaughter them, but they did slaughter everything that was despised and worthless. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned away from me and has not done what I told him to do. Samuel became angry and cried out to the Lord all that night. Then Samuel got up early to meet Saul the next morning. But Samuel was informed, Saul has gone to Carmel, where he is setting up a monument for himself. Then Samuel left and went down to Gilgal. When Samuel came to him, Saul said to him, May the Lord bless you. I have done what the Lord said. Samuel replied, If that is the case, then what is the sound of sheep in my ears and the sound of cattle that I hear? Saul said, They were brought from the Amalekites. The army spared the best of the flocks and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord our God, but everything else we slaughtered. Then Samuel said to Saul, Wait a minute. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Saul said to him, Tell me. Samuel said, Is it not true that when you were insignificant in your own eyes, you became head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord chose you as king over Israel. The Lord sent you on a campaign, saying, Go and exterminate those sinful Amalekites. Fight against them until you have destroyed them. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Instead, you have greedily rushed upon the plunder. You have done what is wrong in the Lord's estimation. Then Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the Lord. I went on the campaign the Lord sent me on. 
I brought back King Agag of the Amalekites after exterminating the Amalekites. But the army took from the plunder some of the sheep and cattle, the best of what was to be slaughtered, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Then Samuel said, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as He does in obedience? Certainly, obedience is better than sacrifice. Paying attention is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and presumption is like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has rejected you as king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have disobeyed what the Lord commanded, and what you said as well. For I was afraid of the army, and I followed their wishes. Now please forgive my sin. Go back with me so I can worship the Lord. Samuel said to Saul, I will not go back with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. When Samuel turned to leave, Saul grabbed the edge of his robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day, and has given it to one of your colleagues who is better than you. The preeminent one of Israel does not go back on his word or change his mind, for he is not a human being who changes his mind. Saul again replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Go back with me so I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel followed Saul back, and Saul worshipped the Lord. Then Samuel said, Bring me King Agag of the Amalekites. So Agag came to him, trembling, thinking to himself, Surely death is bitter. Samuel said, Just as your sword left women childless, so your mother will be most bereaved among women. Then Samuel hacked Agag to pieces there in Gilgal before the Lord. Then Samuel went to Ramah, while Saul went up to his home in Gibeah of Saul. Until the day he died, Samuel did not see Saul again. Samuel did, however, mourn for Saul, but the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Let's take a closer look at chapter 12, shall we? Have you ever sinned in such a way that you felt that God would be so disappointed in you that he would turn his back on you? Have you felt that you just couldn't come to him for forgiveness because you knew going in that what you were about to do was sin, but you did it anyway, and you were just too ashamed to ask God for his forgiveness? I think probably most of us have. Well, that's what Israel did when they asked for a king. Samuel told them that this was a bad thing that they were doing, but they wanted it anyway. Well, you know how it went. God told Samuel to go ahead and grant their request because they were rejecting God, not Samuel. So here in chapter 12, Samuel reminds Israel of all the good things that God had done for Israel, how he had delivered them so many times, and he reminded them that in asking for a king, they had sinned. This caused them to plead to Samuel that he would pray for them, that they would not die because of their sin. And Samuel's response is what I want to bring to your attention today. Here's what he said. Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. And then here's the important part. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. 
So what Samuel is telling them is that God decided to make them his people. And because of that decision, he will not forsake them. He made a covenant, a promise. If he forsook them, it would be breaking that promise. And God never breaks a promise. When you became a follower of Jesus, you became one of God's family. I don't have time to go into details, but what he did when you became a Christian was a legal, formal adoption. You became his, and he will no more forsake you when you sin than he would forsake Israel when they sinned. So move forward, forsake your sin, follow the Lord, and serve him with all your heart. You are his son or daughter. Rest in that. Don't let the enemy convince you of the lie that you have gone too far astray. You haven't. I'd love to hear your comments. Go to lifespringmedia.com s12e92 and comment there on the show notes page. Tomorrow, our reading will be Psalms 39 through 41. Boost. Yes, we have a new associate producer today. Kirsty, yes, that Kirsty came in with a $20 per month donation, which makes her an associate producer. And she wrote a note, too. She said, I've been sick for a few days and got behind with my Bible reading, but today I got to catch up with the five missed episodes. I only started daily Bible reading at the start of this season, but it's so quickly become a habit. I really missed it this week. Thanks, Steve, for your daily episodes. Well, Kirsty, thank you for all you do for the LifeSpring family. You've been such an encouragement to me with your notes and with taking over the job of putting together the newsletter and sending it out every week. And now, Kirsty, with this donation, you've just gone above and beyond. And I really thank God for you, and I thank you so much. Boostagram. And yes, we got a boostagram today from Sean in San Pedro. He said, Hi, Steve. I'm listening to Sunday's reading. Paul seems to allude to value for value here. Did I get that right? Wow. And he sent a 500-sat boostagram using the Fountain app. Yes, Sean, the Apostle Paul actually did introduce, I think, the value-for-value concept. I purposely didn't mention that during my comments on that reading because I wanted to see if someone would write in and, and mention that. So, yes, ding, 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 you got it, Sean. And by the way, a Boostagram is a donation made with a podcasting 2.0 podcast app that you can find at newpodcastapps.com. And when you hear the Boost clips... That refers to an extra amount of Satoshi that you send while listening to the show. Normally, a set amount of Satoshi, or sats, are automatically sent as you listen. You set whatever amount you choose, and then a boost is an extra amount that you set when you hear something that you really like, or at any time, actually. A boostogram is a boost that has a message attached. And a boost in this context has nothing at all to do with vaccines, just in case you were curious. Boost. So, Sean, thank you for that, and you got the point. And then longtime LifeSpring family member, John from Canada, wrote this in today. He said, loved the tapestry example today. God weaving our lives. I like that picture. Thanks, Steve. Well, John, thank you for that note. Yes, as I mentioned in the show, I thought of the tapestry parallel many, many years ago when I was going through a really rough time. I think the Lord just kind of showed me that, you know, what you're seeing here, Steve, is just a small part of a tapestry. You can't see the work that I'm doing in you. You can't see what I'm making out of your life. Trust me. So, John, I'm really glad that that tapestry parallel spoke to you. God bless you, John.
On this date in church history, November 30th, 1725, Martin Boehm was born. He was an American church founder and Mennonite bishop. He was later excluded from the Mennonite communion for associating with persons of other sects. In 1789, he joined with German Reformed pastor Philip Otterbein to establish the Church of the United Brethren in Christ. And on this date in church history, 1894. In Naperville, Illinois, seven groups withdrew from the Evangelical Association to form the United Evangelical Church. And here's an extra. On this date, November 30, 1874, Sir Winston Churchill was born. He, of course, was the Prime Minister of Britain during World War II. Here's an excerpt from one of his speeches. And by the way, I think this is a dramatization. I don't think this is Sir Winston's actual voice. We shall never surrender. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise we have from you from the time we accept Jesus as our Savior, the promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. We have your promise from 1 John 1, 9 that says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, you are so good. Even when we are unfaithful, you are faithful. Oh God, thank you for loving us. And Father, I pray for the LifeSpring family. I thank you for each one. I thank you for those who write encouraging notes and comments to me, Lord. I thank you for those that give of their time, talent, or treasure. Bless them. Encourage us today that we might delight in being close to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, when you send your prayer requests in, I will pray for you in my daily private prayer time, and I'll pray for you on the show so that we can all agree together as we take our requests and our praises to God. For the music today, I'm going to play some music from my buddy Brian Duncan. For those that don't know, Brian was one of the members of the Sweet Comfort Band back in the 70s and 80s. Sweet Comfort brought a new dimension to Jesus music. They brought a funky, jazzy R&B and 70s rock sound that was absolutely top-notch, and much of that was because of Brian. I first met Brian sometime around 1985 or 86 when I was managing a Christian bookstore here in Riverside, where we both lived. He came into the store one day to see how we were displaying his newest album, and that meeting didn't go so well. We were backed up in the shipping and receiving department, and the album was not on our shelves yet. Brian was not pleased. The next time I met him was in 2005, I think. He did a concert in an event down in Del Mar, just north of San Diego, and after the concert, he did a meet and greet. I talked to him there and mentioned the LifeSpring podcast, and he agreed to doing an interview with me and gave me his email to follow up. We did the interview a few weeks later at his house here in Riverside, and our friendship began there. I'll put a picture on the show notes page of us and our wives at his wedding reception in 2009. Again, the show notes page for this episode is lifespringmedia.com slash S12E92. This song is from his A Neo Soul Christmas album. It's a different take on The Little Drummer Boy. By the way, Brian's music is on all the music streaming services, I believe. Enjoy the song. 
Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thank you for being here. It's been fun. My name is Steve Webb. Come on in, Brian. Bye.